Wait, wait, before you start the podcast, I know this is technically the start of the podcast, but before you, before it really starts, I need you to go to hellbentcomicbook.com. You're like, DJ, what's that? It's my new comic. I've got a new comic coming out. It's been years in the making. If you're a fan of Preacher, if you're a fan of Sandman, if you're in the mood for a supernatural, action-packed, irreverent thriller, then you're going to love Hellbent. I'm going to tell you more about it later in the episode, but if you go to hellbentcomicbook.com, Dot com. You can sign up for the pre-launch page to the Kickstarter. That's right. It's going to Kickstarter. It is coming soon, and you're going to want to be there day one because we've got some amazing rewards. And if you don't want to miss out, you're going to want to go to hellbentcomicbook.com and sign up for the pre-launch page. It'd be amazing. We've got so many amazing things planned. You're going to love it. But now let's get into the episode. It's going to be an amazing one. I'm so excited for you all to join us this week. And three, and two, and one, and let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Only Stupid Answers. My name is DJ Woldridge, and this is the show where we like to talk about movies, TV shows, comic books, and today, action figures and collectibles. And here with me to discuss that is the wonderful Dan Larson from Toy Galaxy. Dan, introduce yourself to the kids at home. Tell, In case they don't know who you are, tell them who you are, where they can find you, what you're up to. At pretty much anywhere you search for Toy Galaxy, you'll find me. Uh, I think I think we finally broken into the top ten uh, Google searches there for that term, Toy Galaxy. Hell yeah. uh, if if you're having trouble finding it, just put in Dan. Toy Galaxy Dan, you'll find me everywhere. We're on Patreon. Uh, our our main presence is obviously YouTube. Uh, we're Toy Galaxy TV there. But if you just search for Toy Galaxy, you'll find us. We've been producing videos for six years now. Uh, you know, we've got quite a few subscribers and a pretty uh, ample library of videos behind us. So one of our one of our videos will come up. But we're on Twitter, uh, Toy Galaxy Dan. Toy Galaxy TV is producer Greg, so don't mix those two up. If you're looking for me, Toy Galaxy Dan. If you want to see uh, producer Greg in horror movies and stuff, that's uh, Toy Galaxy TV. Don't talk to him about action figures. He does not care. <laughs> he does not care, but horror movies. I care. Horror movies, horror movies, big, big fan. There you go. Big, big fan, yeah. No, good, and good, movies good. in general. Movies in general. So <laughs> I feel like there's a pretty good Venn, Venn diagram of horror fans and action figure fans. I feel Absolutely. like there's some common Absolutely. ground to be found there. So uh, six years. So the this show, Only Stupid Answers, has been going on in one form or another for ba- for almost five years now as of this recording. Right. Uh, so six years. So how did – tell me a little bit about the origin story of Toy Galaxy. How did did it come about the uh, the short version is that greg and i were friends for quite a long time before we did a uh, started toy galaxy we we were both doing independent filmmaking yeah um uh, i wanted i i had never done any kind of like acting or in front of the camera stuff i didn't do like drama in high school none of that stuff in college um i was more into writing and drawing comics i was self-publishing comics that type of stuff um but there was a part of me that wanted to try that out that wanted to get in front of the camera see if i could do that see if i could do those kinds of things greg liked to write scripts he wanted to make films he wanted to be behind the camera so we started doing some like real rough ugly you know in indie film stuff you know Mm -hmm. out there uh doing those kinds of things a couple of little film festivals locally here and there uh you know uh, those kinds of things. Um, and we started to sort of build those projects, build up, build up. We started off like little four or five minute things, build it up to 15 minutes. We put a 45 minute thing together and, you know, we're like, we're building up, we thought we were building up to a feature, right? Like yes. That's what everybody wants to do. That's where mm-hmm. everybody wants to go with that sort of thing. And it's the logical progression. So we were, we were building up to that. And, you know, we, we had set up this one summer and we were going to, you know, we had our script, we had our cast, we had our, we had cited locations, you know, for, first day of filming, we get ready to go and we don't have everybody. <laughs> you know, there was no budget. There was no budget. Yes. And that's where we decided, okay, we've got to make a, a decision here. 
if we want to continue down this road of making films, we can't rely on people to just give us all their free time, yes. right? Like you can do that to a certain point, but if everybody isn't as 100% committed and passionate and willing to sacrifice everything they have going on to make your film, then you got to pay them. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You got to give them money. Yep. So we realized, okay, we either need to get money to be able to pay people to do this stuff, to give us their time, or we need a project that only involves the two of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so one or the other, if we're going to have all these other people involved, we got to give them some money. So we stepped back and said, what do we want to do? And so I said, look, I want to be in the front of the camera. Uh, he, he wants to be behind the camera, run a channel, make videos, do the editing. And uh, we said, well, I'm a toy guy. I'm big into toys. There's a toy review kind of community out here. And, and that genre is sort of already in place on YouTube. Yeah. So let's, let's give that a shot. And let's see if we can do it in a different way and bring something else to that community. Uh, and that's that's where Toy Galaxy started. I love it. And I relate to it uh, so hard. Uh, obviously, we've been doing this channel for a minute. Uh, but, uh, you know, I self-published my own comics. I've got a new one on the way. But prior to similarly, you know, move, I moved out to L.A., started working on independent projects, short projects. A lot of them were passion projects. And similar to you, I was like, well, I need to start paying people or else this is this is just going to keep being bad. <laughs> if I'm being honest, it's going to keep being bad. It's not uh, I'm not turning out the stuff I want to be turning out. And it's nobody's fault. Uh, but but me uh so uh actually right before the pandemic we were getting ready to do the first feature i had stuff lined up i had cast lined up i had the whole we shot like a proof of concept i was going to do a crowdfunding campaign because i've had success with that in the past and then covid came along and swept the leg yep. and now we're back to square yep. one but hey you know yep. what <laughs> we're all in it together i think yeah uh, <laughs> it, is a, it is a very relatable story right now <laughs> yeah 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 so so well before we get into obviously for this episode we're going to be discussing um action figures and collectibles uh, but before we get into that we'd like to start each episode with what you are into this week or just it doesn't need to be this week just in general so is there something you're watching or doing that you want to share with the kids at home so I'm definitely watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which Hell as yeah. of this recording, uh, we're uh, we're a couple days away from the series finale, yeah. right? That hits Friday yeah. or late Thursday night, depending on who you are and what time you choose to watch it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, depending so on if it's your that. job to cover it and you need to stay up at midnight. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. It's a long Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm definitely watching that, fully uh, fully engaged in that series uh, as as a, was WandaVision yeah. um, and the MCU in general. Yes. Uh, other than that, I just started Invincible, uh, okay. only one episode in, so I definitely, that's that's a piecemeal thing. Uh, but the thing that's really, really uh, brightening my days right now and just, just reminding me how much fun that, you know, media can be and the things that we consume can be uh, is the... It, you probably know Power Rangers. Mm -hmm. uh, before it was Power Rangers, it was Super Sentai in Japan. Yeah. Uh, and it still is. Like that mm -hmm. series has been going on for 45 years right now. And oh so they're God. in their 40, 45th season of it. Oh my God. Uh, and the series is called Zen Kaiger. And there's no, you know, it's not broadcast in the US. You can't turn on Nickelodeon and find it because of Power Rangers. Power Rangers mm -hmm. has this whole market, you know, sort of blocked. Yes. <laughs> so you got to find it other places on the internet. So I finally found a way to, you know, watch those shows. So uh, we're seven episodes into Zen Kaiger, uh, as far as what I've been able to download and watch. And I'm just absolutely loving it it is so much fun and bright and cheerful and just reminds me of the kinds of stuff that i fell in love with as a kid superheroes and giant robots yeah uh, and you know the good guys win 
pretty much every time. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because obviously like uh, for people that, you know, obviously I grew up with Power Rangers, big, big love for Power Rangers. And as you grow up, you find out like, okay, uh, a significant amount of this footage was cultivated from one or multiple Japanese TV shows. But what I don't really think about is what, is there a tonal difference between the two? Is Power Rangers like roughly fairly similar to what was, what we're getting with Super Sentai or are they pretty different? I, I would suggest I think they're pretty different, pretty substantially different, as different as, you know, the, you know, Eastern and Western cultures, uh, as far as how a story is told, the pacing, yeah. what what the focus is on is the focus on the the human characters, is it them in the suits, how important is the fighting, how much of the fighting do you show? Yeah. Um, it's lots of little things that do add up into a substantial thing. Um, you know, in the U.S., Power Rangers has always been uh, marketed as a strictly children's thing. Yeah. You know, anybody who has who has followed it otherwise was either someone who was into you know they into filmmaking. So like I like I was in college around the time that Power Rangers was was first starting. Power Rangers in the U.S. started in '93. Yeah. I started college in '94. So I had a film professor introduction to film. You know, like 101. Uh, my film professor, who was probably in his 40s, maybe early 50s at the time, he said that Power Rangers was like his guilty indulgence. He would watch mm -hmm. it from a filmmaking sensibility just to just to pick the pieces up, apart because. He yeah. knew it was, you know, this footage that was imported with the U.S. shot stuff and just this weird mishmash of things that were happening. Um, but for the most part in the U.S., it's always been positioned as a children's product. Yeah. In Japan, th there's different things. You know, comic books are a much, much more widely read and accepted medium for much longer than they have been in the U.S. In the yeah. U.S., it's always been like you hit 12, 13. It's like, eh, aren't you a little old for comic books? Or at least yeah. that's what it was traditionally. Yeah. And as someone who was trying to write and draw comics, you know, my young adult life um i always got really offended by that yeah like, it's just another art form for storytelling you can have dramatic stories and horror stories and science fiction it doesn't just have to be superheroes you know in in tights and power fantasies and that kind of stuff so yeah. super sentai in japan is an evening show you know it okay. comes on at like 7 30 at night you know when I, I lived in japan from 80 to 83 and and i was you know five years old six years old yeah. but when we would go to a restaurant you know, my brother and I having dinner with my parents, my dad, if there was a TV there, would be like, hey, it's 730. Do you mind if I turn on this show? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. He would turn it on for us and we'd be able to watch it. And it's it's more of a it's more of a tell the story in, you know, in the way that you might tell it and show it if it were a, a program for more uh, adult audience. But the content is, for the most part, still the fun, bright, exciting things, you know, for kids. So 40 seasons in, and I know, like, it's the Super Sentai is, uh, well, actually, correct me if I'm wrong, it's more anthological. It's more like each season is kind of relatively self-contained, right? To a certain extent, yeah. Okay. Once you hit these sort of anniversary seasons, they really, really... I, I can't think of anything in the U.S., uh, in U.S. media that is quite the same way, that is so celebratory mm -hmm. about their own history and making sure that not only does the audience know it, but that it becomes a part of the world of the story they're telling, that they celebrate their past so much and they don't want you to forget all these old characters and they keep bringing them back in every five, every 10 years Love and it. build the stories around that. So yeah, this series especially, this season especially, they do, they reboot every year, but it's almost like 
you know, the characters in the world of the story know that there have been previous Super Sentai teams. You okay. know, they say things like, oh, this is the 40th, the 39th was this, the 38th was this. And that's becoming more and more of an accepted sort of thing within the world of it, even though every year you sort of start over. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a weird kind of it a kind hybrid. Of, it kind of makes me think <laughs> of like anytime image superhero characters crossover like savage dragon and spawn and invincible it's like hey we're hanging out are, are you in a shared yeah. universe yeah yeah <laughs> or or even you know dc every time dc or marvel and dc is is much more has has a much longer history of rebooting characters you yes know, new 52 and you know uh time crisis whatever it was you mm -hmm. know uh, zero hour yeah they keep oh, zero rebooting hour. The characters. they keep rebooting the universe they keep mm -hmm. rebooting the characters but everybody in world still interacts with them as if they've known them the same way that they've always known them yes you know like marvel had the sort of ultimate universe where they those were two distinct realities they yeah. weren't supposed to be the same thing peter parker had never met wolverine before he'd never mm -hmm. met you know yeah, captain yeah. america before it was a new thing uh and even that's a little muddier now yep. <laughs> you know than mm -hmm. it used to be after all their events yeah uh, but that's sort of how it is you know like even after new 52 that's the last big one that i can remember when i was still week to week buying comics yeah yeah, yeah. um it, the people in the world still go. Eh, it's just Superman. I don't. He's he's dressed in a different outfit, but that's still Superman. That's still Superman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last big event they did was Death Metal, and I caught the last issue of it, and that one made it for me. That it was one of those classic things. Like we're going to clear everything up, and then you read and you're like, what? yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> there's a line that, like, listen, everything happened. It's like, what does that mean, though? Like, You're does right, Batman right. have memories of being in the 30s, being Batman? Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. what that means. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a it's a fascinating, I mean, I could do a volume of videos about legacy characters. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's a subject that comes up every once in a while when you start to talk about, you know, where's the line between that character as an in-world narrative thing yeah. versus where it exists as a brand in our world yeah. that has to, that has been around for over 50 years. Mm -hmm. And we need to address that. Like Peter Parker can't be a new, uh, you know, a, a photographer for a print publication anymore. Like yeah. you got to change that. But yes. at the same time, he's always like three years out of college. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just, they, they, and they get to a certain point. Similar with like Nightwing. It's like you age up to a certain point and then you're done. You, you stop. You stop. Yeah. But yeah. going back to Super Sentai, I remember, I don't even know how many years ago it was now, but they did a big, I think the first time it was big in America, it was like all the red previous Red Rangers were going to be hanging out in an episode. And I hadn't watched Power Rangers in years, but I'm like, well, I have fond memories of this. And I think I only knew two of them because that's when I, you know, it's Jason and Tommy. Those were the two. That's the, that was, yeah. yeah. Um, but like still watching, I'm like, this is wild. Like it's, ex it's exciting. It's exciting yeah, seeing all yeah. this stuff. Even if you don't watch baseball, you turn in for the all-star game, right? <laughs> so 40 years in Super Sentai, what what are we doing this season? What's happened? A season. They probably don't even refer to it as seasons. It's probably like, no, they do. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool, cool. So what are we doing? What are we doing? What's the, what's the bit this season? So the real substantial, uh, the, the real thing that they sort of took the genre and turned it around was that this season, a parallel dimension that is full of like robotic creatures yeah people who, you know the the inhabitants are robots or cyborgs or whatever you want to call them uh they have come into our dimension and are trying to take over and so the populace of that world is is blended into our world so okay. there are regular everydays there's a dan larson robot guy who just has a you know a youtube show and whatever he is now in this world living next to the guy with the hot dog stand who's just a normal human and whatever so these robot characters are in our world now now yeah. 
just as we have human sort of super sentai characters, this world has characters who also sort of become superhero robots, right? I like, I like where this is going. And what they did was, so the, what they did was, and from a marketing perspective, it's absolutely genius, especially for an anniversary year, is they said, we've done the thing before, like you just mentioned with all the red characters. Yeah. We've done the thing before where we bring in the old teams right yeah. like back uh, the 35th uh, anniversary celebration 2010 around there uh it was called uh, go kaiger and the whole thing was that the main characters were pirates and they could sort of steal the powers of the previous seasons okay. right so they put the key in their activator and they turn into the the red character can turn into the red character from 20 years ago the yellow cool. guy can turn into the yellow character from 10 years ago whatever and so they cycle through that and for someone who's been following it forever, you were just every time they pulled out the new team, you're like, ah, I loved that team. <laughs> I love that team, too. Ah, that's my favorite guy. You know, and it yeah. just it was such a celebration of the whole thing. So this season, what they did was they grabbed four of the most popular seasons ever. One of them, it, which is the one, the season that came over and became the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Okay. Right. It's the dinosaur theme. Mm -hmm. It's Tommy and Jason. It's those suits. It's that robot. Love it. And the four characters are their designs are inspired by the giant robots of those seasons. Okay. So the the red robot that is just like a regular guy fighting with the superhero team kind of looks like the giant robot, the Megazord cool. from Power Rangers. And so when he activates his power and turns into his Super Sentai version, he looks almost exactly like that robot, except he's like six feet tall, you know, instead <laughs> of, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> instead of, you know, a hundred feet tall. Uh, and so that's the real hook of this season is not only are they bringing in these uh, older characters and incorporating their elements from their seasons, but you literally have this like human character who turns into a, a hero fighting alongside four of the robots who turn into hero robots <laughs> man i'm a sucker for that i love that yeah That's and so i don't cool. know how they could possibly i don't there's no way they're going to bring that season over for the u.s it, i just they can't do it because because the the seasons are different like what what keeps them from doing that so i mean i say that but uh just a few years ago they actually did bring over the pirate season which was an anniversary season but yeah. it requires a lot more cutting around okay. because hasbro owns the power rangers now right yeah. it used to be owned by saban at one point it was owned by disney hasbro owns it right now but they don't own anything prior to that original power rangers season so okay. that original powers rangers season 93 was like i think it was i'm gonna my numbers are off here it was like the 13th or 15th season somewhere <laughs> around there so there's a whole baker's dozen yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of shows that they don't have the rights to that get played up in these anniversary seasons wow. so unless they're going to go acquire the rights for those shows they got to really cut around that stuff and so that means leaving a lot of stuff out that's um, so like i said they, they did just do it for the 35th anniversary show not too long ago so i guess they could but yeah. i'll be i'll be real surprised well it's interesting i'll keep i'll keep an eye out when it comes over stateside because like you said it's it, it sounds like it takes a little bit of detective work to find it over here yeah, it's yeah. the the Japanese version. The Japanese yes, version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the American version's ever. You just trip over that stuff. It's, it's, a, all it's over. on Nickelodeon or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> Paramount Plus. It's a mountain of energy. Yeah, I don't know exactly. if that's where it's at, but anyway. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into our our main topic for this week. I uh, wanted to, I've wanted to do an episode talking about like action figures and collectibles because I, I dabble like a lot of fan. You're fans of stuff. I you know I dabble, um, but I'm in no way informed. I feel like in in this in this field right so how did you get like what was your gateway drug into collecting action figures collectibles that sort of thing 
Um, for me, it started off like most people. Just I was a kid <laughs> with toys. You know? Wait, you were a, uh, wait with <laughs> exactly. People start uh, out as kids. Yeah, wait, it's what? crazy. It's crazy. It's not a very exciting origin story, yeah. but it is. Uh, it is one that's relatable. Yeah. Uh, just you know, your kid. Everybody's got action figures and toys and stuff. And I can't. I, you know, I, I think having lived overseas. You know, my my father was in the navy and we spent three years in japan i think that was a pretty formative time you know i was yeah. five when we moved there seven when we left yep. and if if toys were cool in the u.s man they were even cooler in japan there was yeah. just so much stuff it was all made out of die cast metal and sharp pointy parts and everything <laughs> fired a rocket you know like just you know superhero ninjas and giant robots transforming everywhere yep. <laughs> you know uh, and I think at that point I was already hooked, you know, yeah. uh, the, the question is, you know, how do you, how do you get out of that? Like a lot of people, you, you go on and you get a job and you go to school and yeah. you start dating and you just, you move away from those childish things. Yeah. Um, but I just never did. I, you know, I started drawing comics and really wanting to, to make comics for a living. And I just never got away from, uh, the sort of storytelling and the fascination with rocket jetpacks and, yeah. you know, cool masks and capes and stuff. So at one point, uh, and I've, I've talked about on our show about this, I have a whole video about how my collection, uh, sort of went away, you know, at one yeah. point it fit in like a one gallon plastic bag and it was in the closet and I didn't really have that stuff out anymore. Yeah. And, and part of that was technology a got better and mm -hmm. they started making better stuff yep. and, you know i was getting older wanted fancier action figures you yeah. know i didn't want something that was going to squirt water mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know i wanted a wolverine that looked better had articulation the, you know those kinds of things water was always <laughs> dicey what they all squirted water it's like yeah but they've got metal joints what are you doing over here what's yeah, happening yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and that's that's a whole different conversation you know they weren't designed to last forever and mm -hmm. here you know we've got people collecting action figures that are 40 50 years old and, yeah. and trying to fight against against time as they deteriorate in front of their eyes uh, the figures not the people <laughs> yes but uh but yeah it just it, it, at one point you know uh, i had a, a my friend rich in college uh and he and i had gone to high school together um we sort of started feeding each other that that like enthusiasm for the mm -hmm. stuff you know he would grab something and be like hey look isn't this pretty cool and I'd be like oh hey that is pretty cool look at this isn't this pretty cool yeah. <laughs> you know and you just that whole environment of comic books and video games and movies and action figures and drawing and superheroes it just it all is this one big massive stuff that i just never got out of uh and and the fascination with you know the just these articulated human forms and robots and ninjas and superheroes and stuff um i just i like it as much now as i as i always have yeah uh it's just there's there's a market now that has grown up with the industry uh, that is looking for better articulation, more sculpting, better paint apps, yeah. you know, uh, these kinds of more obscure characters, not just Star Wars, but, you know, all of this other stuff. Yeah. And, and the market sees that and the manufacturers see that and they produce it. And it's just a it's it's a self-perpetuating system. <laughs> yeah, it is weird how like the generation of people that grew up with us are definitely making toys now. I remember specifically the, the time it really dawned on me was I remember as a kid, I, uh, I, I even went to the length of trying to paint some of my Lego figures as superheroes because I just really yeah. wanted like I just want Lego Spider-Man I just want that yep. and now yep. it's like you can literally there's whole Marvel heroes DC like the whole thing you can it's all there I have in the other room I've got like a Ghost Rider Lego set like that's a thing that I was able to go out and buy a legit licensed official thing official yeah. thing <laughs> flames build the motorcycles all there yeah. um so real quick 
talk about your time in Japan and how, you know, cool the toys were there. Obviously, growing up for me, you know, Transformers was a big thing. We just talked about Power Rangers. Why are the Japanese toys cooler? Like, why is that? What 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 is it about that culture that that shit is just better? <laughs> Um, you know, I don't know the specifics of the actual, you know, federal regulations and that type of stuff, what you are and are not allowed to sell to kids, how you are and are not allowed to sell to kids. Um, you know, the eighties era that we grew up in was very unregulated uh, (laughs) with a lot of this stuff. And that's why shows like masters of the universe and GI Joe and transformers sustained to this day because those regulations were those regulations exist because those shows existed Mm -hmm. and and we as a country uh sort of looked at it and said is this right should we be doing it this way should we be selling these kinds of things to kids is this manipulative advertising you know uh, or is it just cool stuff you know where's that line Uh, and so we did as as a country um locked down all of that stuff and said, you know, all right, guns aren't toys anymore. You know, we're not going to sell guns the same way we do to kids. Uh, you know, we're going to wait until they're, you know, 18 and just buy them themselves, whatever. Exactly. They can just go get the real thing and everything exactly. will be fine. Yeah, right, right. It'll be fine. Everything <laughs> will be fine. We don't need to worry about it. Uh, uh, but culturally, culturally, I think a lot of it gets into just the heritage and the history of the the different uh, cultures, um, you know, the robots and technology and, and uh, superheroes as far as they exist in Japan versus how they have developed and evolved in the U.S. Uh, it's just two different cultures. And I think the, the focus on the kinds of playability that is in Japanese toys versus the U.S. toys, the U.S. market has traditionally been about let's go and look at these other countries mm-hmm. find out what's cool over there that's already made we don't have to invest in in creating it we yeah. can just license it and bring it over and that's the whole power ranger story that's the yeah. transformers story you know wait so you're t- saying a big part of united states culture is looking at other places in the world and just saying hey let's take that and make it ours now that's why yeah, and <laughs> it's why. crazy i know yeah. i know it's but it's it was a very profitable way of doing business especially in that late 70s into the early 80s yeah. uh you know why I make it when it already exists and, yeah. and it, it goes to all other media you could probably rattle off you know uh 10 different remakes of films that were done exceptionally well yeah in in japanese cinema yeah. and you know mm-hmm. whatever else like wasn't the ring wasn't that series originally as yeah far the as ring I you know magnificent sevens based off uh seven oh, yeah, samurai yeah, yeah, exactly. star wars yeah. is inspired by ran you like know, yeah so well there's so there's like inspiration and then there's like let's just remake the thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there's a lot of let's just remake the thing yeah you know, i there's game shows and regular tv shows you know it's like something something succeeds in the uk television market on the bbc and then we go we're like 10 years late to it and we go ah let's bring that thing over mm-hmm. and then it has a whole new life here you know yeah when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Wait, hold up. Before we go any further, I'm going to need you, yes, you listening right now, to go to hellbentcomicbook.com to check out my new comic, Hellbent. That's that's right. I've got a new comic on the way. And if you want to be one of the first ones to grab a copy, go to hellbentcomicbook.com and you can register to be notified when the Kickstarter for the comic launches. There will be some special rewards only available on day one 
one of the campaigns. So make sure you go to the launch page and register so you don't miss out. Hellbent is a supernatural thriller similar to Preacher or Sandman. So if you're a fan of those comics or just high-octane occult adventures in general, go to hellbentcomicbook.com to register so you can be one of the first to hop on that Kickstarter and get some exclusive rewards. I am so excited about this project. We've got some amazing variant covers from some incredible artists. It's I'm really proud of this book, and I think you're really going to love it. You can also check out a behind-the-scenes discussion with my co co-writer Jaina July and the artist Heather Vaughn at patreon.com slash only stupid answers. So give that a listen as well. If you want to know more about how Hellbent came to be, you want to know more about the process of making a comic, but only do that after you've gone to hellbentcomicbook.com to register. Seriously, you're going to want to be there day one. There's some stuff you're only going to be able to get then. So don't miss out. Okay. All right. Now back to the show. So you mentioned a little bit about regulations and how these toys affected regulations. And something that interests me about your channel uh, is the the fact that, like, I think a lot of these, if you call them like explainers, talk about like the mythology, like, well, Optimus Prime uh, was started off as, and what I find interesting about your show is it dives into the actual market of it, the kind of how capitalism relates to it and all that stuff. And which makes all the sense in the world toys, because at the end of the day, it's like, that's what they're that's what's happening. They're selling you toys. You know what I mean? And so it is interesting seeing these histories because on the one hand, it's like, you know, I love GI Joe growing up and it's like, but it is weird that the entire mythology exists just to sell kids things. And as an adult, I kind of don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) Yeah. So like, has your, when you've, as you've dived into these histories, has your, has your feelings on these brands and their histories like changed at all and was that always when you were going in like oh when we're telling these hit stories this is what i want to talk about or is it just kind of if i'm going to talk about transformers i need to talk about how they were actually two different toy lines and they were brought over here and they didn't have a story and to sell them to kids they need one yeah yeah and so there's a couple different layers there, there there's the actual like what is the actual process that this company went through you know to to, to make this thing yeah. and transformers is a great example because it's a interesting story where you know it was two different brands that existed in japan both were brought over and and turned into this single brand that you know was turned into a third brand diaclone and micro change came over to the us we turned it into transformers yeah and then transformers became so big and so popular as a thing itself that it was re-exported back <laughs> to japan and now exists as transformers the world over yeah um so there's that sort of internal story of like what is the actual process that the the designers and the manufacturers took to get there but then there's the bigger story of what are the what are the economic what are the social what are the you know what are the trends what are the things that are happening in the real world around it that either limited what they could do with something or pushed them in a certain direction to do the thing they did. Um, A lot of times, uh, uh, what comes up a lot is like G.I. Joe, you know, in the 60s when G.I. Joe was originally created, it was a 12-inch action figure, right? Like it was, you know, fully articulated, the cloth, the clothing, that type of stuff. And, you know, why does it end up as a four-inch action figure in 1982? Yeah. Well, part of it is there's an oil embargo in the 70s, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and if you don't have oil, if you don't have uh, access to the raw materials to make the plastic thing, then you need to make the plastic thing smaller so that you can continue to make your toys uh, because you can no longer afford to produce them at the size that you were producing them at. So to me, 
I just find those things fascinating. And, yeah. and, and to be able to, I, I ask those questions myself. What questions am I asking? I'm sure the audience is going to want to know this too. So if I answer those questions for myself, I'll have the, the answers yeah. for the audience as well. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I watched the Transformers one. Uh, it kind of melted my brain a little bit because it's the, you know, it's stuff that you kind of uh, understand, but I, it's the first time I really realized the nature of like, this whole mythology that people argue over and like the cinematic universe are built over is was just kind of like the nicotine to get kids addicted to buying the toy. And it's like, wow, this is it. It changed my paradigm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the two points I want to address there, one is, are you to what degree are you aware that you are a consumer mm -hmm. when you are a consumer and why you are consuming things, regardless of whether it's movies or comic books or reality television, you know, are you consciously aware we live in a ridiculously capitalist society that is consumer driven mm -hmm. and it's not political. That's just a reality. But are you aware of the manipulation that's being done to you? And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying, no. are you aware? And if you're aware then it's okay that you, you know, you can't manipulate me if I know I'm being manipulated. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, so there is this manipulation that's taking place where you are trying to make this thing appealing and interesting and exciting and life changing. Um, as the consumer, do you know that that's what you're, what's being done? Yeah. You, you're being told these things are life changing. You're being told, and I'm saying, well, you know, I don't really care about the story. I don't really care about what you think it's going to do to change my life. I just like this action figure of this guy with a cool mask and a rocket pack, <laughs> <laughs> and it's within my budget, and I'm willing to pay for it, and I'm going to buy it. It's no big deal. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not going to turn me into a, a bad person. It's not going to change my life. You know, whatever. There's yeah. that sort of uh, impact, but yeah, there's also this part where. Early on, G.I. Joe especially and Transformers and all those brands that were sort of coming through Hasbro and Marvel at the same time, you know, they figured out that one of the things that really created uh, brand loyalty mm -hmm. uh, was a love for the story and yeah. a love for the mythology. And Larry Hama of, you know, G.I. Joe, the guy who wrote the comic books and created a lot of those characters and the file cards, he wrote all those file cards. Like his main job, and I'm get, he probably didn't get paid for, enough for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would bet. His main job. His main job was to be the keeper of the mythology, yeah. right? Like corporate guy at Hasbro, whatever. That guy didn't care about what it said on the back of Duke's file card. Mm -hmm. Who cares? <laughs> All he knew is that it was selling. It was Larry Hama's job yeah. to make sure that that story was exciting and cool and that the kids cared as much about that story yeah. as they did about buying the thing and having the thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so fascinating. So now with that understanding, do you have like when you see an action figure, you're like, no, 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 you're just trying to the brand loyalty thing. I'm not going to spend money yeah, on yeah. this one. <laughs> I long ago gave up being a completionist or completist in anything. I, yes. There's nothing I'm trying to get all of them. You know, people uh, are fully aware. Uh, followers of Toy Galaxy are fully aware of my, you know, Boba Fett. Uh, collection. Mm -hmm. uh, I have uh, over. I have a collection of over 500 vintage Boba Fett. I'm gesturing oh. over here because that's yeah. where it is. Yeah, it's over <laughs> this way. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, over 500 vintage figures called you know just the vintage Boba Fett called the Boba Set. Mm -hmm. But then I also have a lot of the modern figures. You know the yeah. six inch Black series, the you know Power of the Force. You know whatever. But even at that, even with my you know affinity for that character design there's still dozens that I don't have and never will have because yeah. 
you're not you're not gonna get me like that yeah i think that's an important <laughs> I know thing. that it, there's <laughs> i know that it's a scheme <laughs> <laughs> this is just a recaller i know what you're doing right. um well yeah well it depends on the recaller the, you know if it's cool like yeah well and it's interesting too because you know uh you know i collect i do i do have um action figures and stuff like that as part of my collection but primarily where they get me is comics and it and it, what there is a learning curve to like i have collections like i have full runs of stuff like yeah i didn't that run was trash i didn't i don't need that i didn't i didn't need it and so you become more like you'll pick up an issue of something and you'll be like "Mm -mm, i don't have the budget to follow through with this one good luck and bye (laughs) well yeah and that's part of what got me i i was a 20 to 50 dollars a week comic books buyer (laughs) <laughs> from you know 1987 yeah <laughs> uh until about 2014 to the, uh, probably 2015 somewhere around that, right around the time that we started the show uh toy galaxy um and the thing that finally burned me the thing that i finally said i can't do this anymore because the the part of me that still loved the characters wanted to go on but the part of me that was a informed consumer couldn't play the game anymore and yeah. that was that was crossover events i yep. had mm-hmm. and i'm still feeling the event fatigue i yeah. couldn't do it anymore you just you start to see the cycle build up to the event start crossing the books over here comes the event promoted yeah. everywhere new limited edition books you got to buy 10 different series if you want the whole story and just before it ends usa today gets the big breaking news spoils the ending for everybody the book's not even out yet you know and they spoil the ending for everybody and the everybody has already moved on to the next big event and i feel like a sucker standing here going i just spent my whole summer like all i just spent my money buying this whole series following all these books reading these titles i didn't even care about yeah (laughs) and and we're just moving on to the next event okay i i can't i can't do this anymore (laughs) yeah every once in a while i'll dip my 100 every once in a while i'll dip my toe into it like uh into a new event like if it has a writer i like you know you tend to follow the creators as opposed to to certain runs and like i picked up the first issue of king and black and there's a plot point in that that literally like they need to use the spaceships that are in our atmosphere from the last event and it's like what (laughs) you can't do that you can't point to the last time like literally the world was about to end like two weeks ago that turned out fine but now we've got this other thing it's like no there's there's one asterisk and it says c and there's like 400 books yeah exactly read all these books first (laughs) well and then like the current x-men run is it's like 15 different monthly books and they're all vaguely interconnected and it's like i can't do this to myself are you kidding me so so it's a legacy character thing right it's a yeah. brand thing these the x-men have been around since the 60s and i can't imagine being a new reader who's just, i've heard of the x-men i think i'm gonna check them out and you go which i'll start with this x-men book that's right on the shelf and you open that book and go i have no idea what's going on yeah <laughs> you yep. know like and i i sympathize with the creators I know that they're doing their job and trying to make it accessible uh, to to new readers, to readers who've been following it for fifty years. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that's a hard that is a hard hard thing to do. You can't please everybody. New readers want stuff that old readers don't want. Old readers want stuff that new readers don't want. Yeah. It's it's a mess, and it's something that is an ongoing and accelerating problem with characters that have been around for so long because there's too much money in them, and we can't let go. Yep. Yeah, and it, and it's a problem that we're gonna start seeing seep into you know the MCU and stuff like that. Like I love Falcon and Winter Soldier; I'm really enjoying it. But it's like, I, how? What's your end on this show? Because you, you can't. Episode one. Wait, half the world disappeared, and now they're back. Wait, yeah. when? When did that happen? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a it's a it's an issue, and I'm assuming that you know right now the MCU we're we're at this stage of 
trying to turn over to the next version, this, this, the Gen 2, the G2 versions of these characters, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, Sam Wilson, Falcon, yeah. you know, uh, are we going to have uh, uh, Riri Williams? Is she going to come in as, you know, uh, Iron Heart? Yeah. You know, where are we going to go with that? Is it just going to be Rhodey? Is he going to become, you know, where are we going to go with the G2 versions? We know how it played out in the comics when some of these characters have been out of circulation for a little while. Yeah. Um, I personally, I loved Bucky Cap. Yeah, uh, while it ran, and and I loved that at the same time we had uh, Dick Grayson, Batman. Yep, in the comics, and I that that happened around the same time that I got event fatigue, mm-hmm. <laughs> in that I was so pissed at Marvel and DC because they had done what I thought could never be done, yeah. and that was to turn the page on those characters. Yeah, they had the opportunity to continue on with Bucky cap and just say like, this is just who captain America is now. Yeah. And we're just going to go with it. Steve Rogers is dead. Yeah. He's not coming back. Yeah. And Bruce Wayne is gone. He's not coming back. And we had moved on and there were interesting stories, you know, Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne. It was interesting, fascinating stuff. It was, it was like fresh and new. (laughs) And when they both ended those series, the way they did, I was like, you Mm -hmm. cowards. (laughs) Absolutely. You cowards. Well, and that's the interesting about, thing about where we're at now is the reason that happens is because, like, well, we've got a movie coming out next month where mm-hmm. Steve Rogers is capped. So the comic, mm-hmm. even though. Reset. Get, get it back. Get it back where it was. Even though, unfortunately, those movies have not really translated into people actually going. Not and, at all. Yeah. <laughs> the comics. Um, and so it is interesting now that. You know, we weren't Chris Evans isn't Cap anymore. It's like, well, then could we see the change be permanent in the comics too to align with that? Because I'm I'm with you. I thought Dick Grayson Batman was was incredible. Uh, and as as much as I love like the Falcon and Winter Soldier has fully sold me on Sam Wilson as Cap, but like in the comics is like same same as you. It's like I actually really like Bucky Cap. His relationship to what it means to be Captain America is really complicated. His suit looks cool, which let's be honest, that's like half the battle when it comes to making sure, somebody sure. like a comic character he, <laughs> he looks cool um so it's i i, I will be interested in to see if these the new like you said the g2 version of these characters will translate into a change in the comics now that they try so to w- what's interesting is and again this this plays back into super sentai and and another phenomenon that we're seeing both in the comics uh you know printed media as well as uh tv shows and film is these legacy brands who do need to get their positions back into you know okay everybody back to back to one yeah uh, before the movie comes out cat you know Steve Rogers needs to be cat you know whatever uh, we start to see instead of the the mantle of these characters being passed on and saying let's move into the future with this stuff let's go somewhere else uh, we get stuck in bringing the old guy back yeah Super Sentai has decided you know what we're gonna keep moving on and we're gonna keep pushing the envelope with what we're doing but every five years or so we're gonna bring those old characters back in. Yeah. <laughs> we're just gonna bring it back in we're gonna celebrate them you're gonna see their costumes back on screen again yeah. people are gonna talk about them and revere them and it's gonna be great and then next season whatever we're gonna move on from that too um but marvel dc what what you're seeing now is instead of these characters moving on and those titles passing on they create a whole world where all of them exist yeah. and so you get into the spider-verse and instead of into the spider-verse which is an amazing movie and i loved it and yeah. i can't wait for the sequel but that starts to become the the regular. Yeah, that's the default position now. Mm-hmm. Is there's going to be ten people called Spider Man, and you just pick the Spider Man you like. You know, there's going to be ten different people called Venom, and you just pick the Venom you like. I you know, like instead it. of being able to move on from it, it's like yeah. there there used to be Batman and Robin. 
Now, I love that there's a bat family, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I love that there's, yeah. you know, Barbara Gordon, and I love that there's, you know, Huntress and all this stuff. But now it's like, there's like six different Batman characters. Yeah. And, and it's like, is Bruce Wayne, we're just going to ride this forever? In 100 years, is Bruce Wayne still going to be Batman? We're still yeah. going to be telling stories that exist in the same continuity about the same guy? Or are we ever going to move on? And can we? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm with you because I think you, you're right. Because, uh, you know, obviously you have the Spider-Verse. But it's like also like if uh, for those that's played the Spider-Man Miles Morales game, I felt like that made a really compelling compelling argument to say like, Miles can be Spider-Man now. He, he can just be, we don't really need Peter anymore. It could just be Miles. <laughs> I feel like walking out of Into the Spider-Verse, I was like, yep. Yeah. I, I already, and I already knew about Miles. I'd already loved him in the comics. And that was one of the beautiful things about the Ultimate Universe is they could do those things. You yeah. could kill off Peter Parker. Yeah. Spoiler alert. You could kill off Peter Parker <laughs> and, say, Sorry. And, and say, nope, in this universe, Miles Morales is Spider-Man. When yeah. you say Spider-Man, that's who you're talking about. Yeah. Not Peter Parker. Yeah. And I thought coming out of you know Into the Spider-Verse, I was like, well maybe going forward the animated film of this type that takes place in the marvel universe that's spider-man yeah. it's like uh, i'm not even sure that's the case now <laughs> yeah 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 i remember because i remember you know in in you know the 90s we had my favorite green lantern kyle rayner my favorite flash wally west and that was one of the rare opportunities they actually got to be in those roles yeah for like a minute they wasn't they weren't cycled out in like a year and then once John Hal Stewart, John Stewart on John the Stewart. animated series. Exactly. And then once Hal Jordan came back, once Barry Allen came back, it's like, well, we've got multiple Green Lanterns and Flash. Like, but I don't want that. I want I want Kyle Rayner to be the guy or John Stewart to be the guy or Wally yeah, West I to fought, be the guy. I fought the Hal Jordan as parallax thing for a long, long time because I was still a young reader yeah. who didn't get to spend as much time with Hal Jordan as Green Lantern yeah. and so I was still in that sort of super friends mindset and mm -hmm. you know no Hal Jordan is green he's not a bad guy yeah. this is just some scheme to you know make it profitable and you're just gonna get and I mean in my defense that's what DC was doing was killing mm, yeah. off all those yeah, yeah, legacy yeah. heroes at the time and reinventing them but I couldn't see it as someone who you know could see the value of those characters moving on and how you could tell new stories and engage new readers and diversify uh the the team that was there you yeah. know uh I, that john stewart you know could could he have been the only green lantern of earth instead of hal jordan when he was introduced could have been um could we have moved on to kyle rayner yeah we kind of did you know even yeah. even with the justice league animated series you know hal jordan did eventually come back but yeah. Green Lanterns are weird because there's so many all over. Yeah, the and you get the other ones. I w but it is there are a lot of Earth ones now. Like we don't get we don't get yeah, a lot of like. Yeah. There's a lot of ones specifically like from six Earth. on Earth, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's get the numbers getting a little high, and we yeah. also have other Lantern cores, so like we can farm yeah. some of these off to other colors, yeah. I think. But you know, whatever. They're not asking me. Yeah. So let's go to. We've got some questions in the Discord that I uh, from our audience that I wanted to run past you. We got this one from Ryan C McCoy who asks. Will NFTs become the next big collectible? And I know I have opinions on NFTs. Yeah, yeah. I I will say I hope not. Yes, um, that was the consensus say... in the Discord as well. <laughs> I will also say that I'm not an expert. Uh, yeah. First off, I'm just going to put that right up front. I'm not an expert. I haven't done all the reading. I don't know exactly what the full repercussions are at the full spectrum of things. Yeah. Um, I've seen very positive things come out of it, like... Uh, you know, artists who maybe haven't been as financially well off in their lifetimes, uh, being in a position, I, I'm blanking on the artist's name. Yeah. It was one of the 
DC creators, a Wonder Woman artist. Uh, he recently sold an NFT for like a million bucks or something. So, mm-hmm. you know, for that person, for any artists who are finding a living in it right now, it, it's hard for me to say you shouldn't do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, everything since the the World Wide Web was invented, it's real hard for a lot of people to maintain ownership of their own stuff. Yeah. You know, if I drew, do a drawing right now and it's the most amazing drawing and I put it online, a million people in five minutes can just grab it and start making t-shirts and start doing other stuff. You know, yeah. it's hard to own stuff. Um, on the other end of it, uh, from what I've read about the environmental impact of this stuff and how hard it is and how much power and energy it takes to maintain the the chain of ownership. Yeah of an animated gif of a of a dog wagging its tail or something i don't think it's worth it yeah uh you know the amount of power that is consumed the server space the energy the time like i i'm i'm no math magician but i can look and say this is going to get worse yeah you know it's just going to be a it's going to build up uh, like snowball rolling downhill you know before we know it uh, half of the world's power is going to be holding the place markers for like six images yeah yeah <laughs> like is that what yeah, it's it's wild because when you think about stuff being online, you're like, well, at least you know it's not you're not you're not printing stuff, you're manufacturing stuff. It's better for the environment. And it's like actually, it's way worse. It's like, wait, yeah. what are we doing? <laughs> How is it worse? Uh, yeah, it's it's complicated, and it's, and I when I I took a second to kind of like wrap my head as best I can around NFTs, which led down a rabbit hole of Bitcoin, and I've I've, I've not just Bitcoin, but like cryptocurrency. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. figuring out what you can actually use cryptocurrency to purchase is dicey. And so it's like, so what are we doing? Like, what are we, because because the impression I'm getting, I think it was even one of the Winklevoss that was like, you save Bitcoin, but you spend cash because cash is trash. And so it's like, okay, so the message I'm getting is Bitcoin is money, but worse. Like, is is all the bad, th- all the things that are bad about money, but also uh, worse. And it's like, why? Why can't we do better things? Yeah, it is a, uh, it's, it's a, there's a lot to it. It's a multifaceted thing. And uh, the age that I am now and <laughs> where I'm at in my life, um, I feel like there's a certain amount of, I can say, you know what? I'm just not getting involved. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm just <laughs> like, going to stay out I'm of just, this one. I'm not going to be pro. I'm not going to be anti. I'm going to block the word on my Twitter. So I never have to read about it ever again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I have nieces and nephews and there's another generation that's going to have to deal with this stuff. And if we spend all of this time uh, and energy and resources and money uh, on stuff, that's going to burn their planet. Yeah. That seems shitty. <laughs> yeah. I also think that's a really healthy response to a lot of more people on social media, me included, should be better about like, you know what, I'm staying out of this one. Uh I have opinions, but you know, nobody needs to know. Nobody needs to know. And we all just move on with our lives. I'm gonna keep scrolling for now. Yeah, I'm just gonna move on. <laughs> so we got another question here from Israel Israel K. It's a little bit of a longer one. I've always loved the Marvel Legends and DC multiverse toys. Is the current staying power of those toy lines due to their actual sales popularity? popularity or of a bigger company keeping the ip of those properties alive are the new uh quote animation colors color versions of the sh figure art sailor moon figures releasing for the same reason or are these just part of people growing up loving characters now being able to produce collectibles yeah uh, long question short answer yes 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 yes. (laughs) that's it yes yeah yes you nailed it you answered your own question with your question it's absolutely it uh you know to a certain extent it's obviously it's a supply and demand thing uh if the market is demanding it then somebody's going to supply it somewhere where it's the whether it's the official licensee or not yeah somebody's going to try to supply it either at a macro or a micro level 
Um, but if they produced it and nobody was buying it, they would stop producing it. Yeah. You know, that's just the reality of it. Yes, some of it is to maintain their brand awareness. In fact, 90% of it is probably to maintain mm-hmm. their brand awareness. But why are you increasing brand awareness and maintaining brand awareness if it's not to keep selling you stuff? Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. So, um, <laughs> STS2084 asks, how long is too long to hold on to a certain item? Because obviously people, you know, they get stuff. They're like, we're going to hold on to it. Maybe we'll have value <laughs> later. I have a whole bin that is unfortunately my parents' uh, uh, storage unit that from Transformer toys that like, maybe these have value. I beat the shit out of those toys. They're never going to have any value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I played <laughs> with those toys. But yeah, how long is too long to hold on to a certain item? Wow. Are we talking about like, this is getting deep. This is going to get philosophical here. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about, you know, the the finite nature of life and things and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, having to deal. Hang on, I got to lean back for a second here. Yeah. Having to deal with the fact that, you know, my things are going to outlive me. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, hey, I got my Boba Fett collection here. It's mm-hmm. got 500 Boba Fett figures in it. Uh, they're not going with me. Yeah. So at some point, I'm going to have to make a decision. When is the right time to get rid of them? You know, mm-hmm. what what is the value in it to me? Was the value what is the value in holding on to it yeah. to me? Is it because they're appreciating in value? Eh, there might be a little bit of that in it, but that's not why I bought them. I didn't buy them because I thought they were going to appreciate in value. I bought them because of the fun of collecting them. I like that figure. I want to see more of them. I love having the stories. I love each one as a little bit of a fingerprint sort of uniqueness to it in the scratches on the armor or the cut off fingers, the burned off head or whatever, you know, those things are interesting to me. But at some point I got to make a decision and say, where do those things go and how much longer am I going to live with those things before I decide to let them go? It is a weird thing (laughs) to think about, you know, as much as I love this, this figure or the comic book or whatever, uh, I've got comic books. I haven't pulled out. I haven't read in decades, decades. They've been sitting in a sleeve with a cardboard backing in my comic box for decades and i don't know that i will ever take them out again do i need to hang on to that why am i hanging on to it what is what is so powerful about that object that i haven't seen in 20 years Mm -hmm. that i can't let go of it you know is there an obligation to the community to society to other collectors to the economy to move that thing on to destroy that thing i don't know yeah yeah come back next time when we answer the questions (laughs) of the universe exactly (laughs) So uh, we've got another question here from Danny. Uh, can y'all talk about the Optimus Prime voice-controlled robot? Is that a game-changer in the industry? Like, I told you before we went on air that it's like, I didn't know we were gonna if we were going to dive into this question. I didn't know. And then I, I went and actually sought out the video of it. I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to have to ask him about it because it is yeah no it is insane because it not only does it self-transform because that's what i it self-transforms i'm like well there's been toys for decades where you press the button and it does the thing but it it, you can program it it has voice commands it's also i think eight hundred dollars seven hundred seven hundred dollars oh well hey listen now put it back in your budget (laughs) now it's a steal um (laughs) get two yeah so what do you (laughs) what do you think about this this voice controlled optimus prime so my first question for something like that would be, who's it for, right? Like, who yeah. who is the customer there? Who's buying that thing? Who, who do they think the customer is? Uh, the only customer there, well, the majority of the customer there, I think, is someone who grew up with it, someone who, like you just said, uh, always imagined these things being able to do that themselves. And there have yeah. been degrees of that over the years. Uh, e- even with the G1 line, there were figures that, you know, you pull back, you let it go, and it pops up and, you know, yeah. turns it turns into a robot. It basically just flips over and, you know, unbends. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there's 
there's been varying degrees of that over the years. This is a different thing. This is a different, this is a shift in magnitude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it talks, it poses, it stands there like respirating. It looks like it's alive. You know, I, I have to assume that this is a step towards this thing literally being able to, you know, make its own decisions at some point. Yeah. It, <laughs> like, it, I, watching it, I thought like, oh, we're like a step away from small soldiers. Like this is like, this exactly. is the prequel yeah, yeah, to small yeah, soldiers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, how many of these toys that I already own are, are doing <laughs> the thing where they get up when I leave the room, you know, and running back to their shelf spot. Um, so it's a fascinating thing. Uh, as far as a marketable item, uh, I don't know. I yeah. don't know, you know, uh, but I'm not in the I'm not in the position to have to make those decisions. Fortunately, uh, I never would have thought as many people would have gone in on the Haslab Unicron yeah. that just recently crowdfunded and they sold tons of them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this thing is enormous, and the thing I've seen people struggle with the most is really coming to grips with how big that thing is when they finally get it and going like, I don't know where this thing's gonna go. <laughs> I love it. I'm glad yeah. I bought it. It was in my budget, but I don't know what I'm going to do with it or where it's going to go. So that optimist to me is that same sort of scale of problem. Are you going to spend $700 on that to give it to a six-year-old kid, to give it to an eight-year-old kid? Like, is that for a kid? Yeah. And does that kid want it? Does that kid care? Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of the toy industry is still struggling with this sort of line between at what age are kids no longer into toys? At what age do they switch to really only being into screens? Yeah. Uh, at what age are these things happening? You know, it's it's a much it's affecting the entire uh, industry, and that's part of why I get to enjoy so many cool action figures of stuff when I was a kid because yeah. my generation is still buying that stuff, and we're willing to drop thirty dollars on a Boba Fett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, no. that doesn't transform and doesn't talk and mm -hmm. doesn't do anything else. It's just an assemblage of plastic pieces. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So with that in mind, we're talking about Unicron and uh, this Optimus that's uh, $700 or, or whatever. Is there, we got a question here from Joey. Is there a white whale collectible you've always wanted but <clears throat> couldn't get? There's nothing that has lasted. Uh, th th there are things that have sort of come and gone uh, in interest. There's no one thing. Uh, I spent quite a few years uh, being a toy dealer as well. Mm -hmm. You know, going to auctions, buying collections, uh, setting up at flea markets and and uh, trade shows and that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, booking tables at comic book conventions, uh, those types of things uh, long before Toy Galaxy started. And through that, you know, any of those key pieces that I always wanted, I basically owned them at some point. Yeah. So you start to get into the weird, obscure things like, uh, you know, in, in the Star Wars universe, uh, when they were making the original Star Wars movies, the physical prop that they used for Luke Skywalker's lightsaber and for a lot of the lightsabers in the series, yeah. uh, you find out is this, you know, the old style, the old timey cameras, you know, the newspaper reporter cameras, the flash, it's a handle and the flash bulb is up here and they go, ah, mayor, mayor, you know, mm -hmm. and, then, and the thing goes off that handle is what they used for, you know, the lightsabers. They just put some like windshield wipers on it and yeah. some crazy yeah. buttons and stuff to try to make it look foreign uh, from a, from another universe. And so, you know, that was my uh, holy grail for a really long time. And then I got one. Oh shit. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> yeah, I was at a I was at a flea market, and you know, I I had had the dream for years. Like someday, there's going to be an old guy. He's going to have a table, and he's into camera stuff and technology and those types of things. And there's going to be a bin, and the bin's going to be below the table, and inside are going to be these kinds of things. And he doesn't care because he's old and he's you know he's he's moving on from all of this stuff. He's not in it for the value. He doesn't even really know that these are used as lightsaber handles. And when I see that bin, I'm going to find that thing. And that's exactly how it happened. And I like it was sitting on the table, and I was like. How much do you want for that? Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, and and being like, I'm also really into the haggling and yeah, trying to get yep. the best prices you can. I mean, I know what they're going for on eBay. I've been looking, I've been charting the prices for like mm-hmm. five years, you know. Uh, and even though he gave me a price that was like way below market value, I still tried to get a couple of bucks <laughs> off of it because I like to play the game. Yeah, like why not? It, you know? So, you know, so that for a really long time, this was my holy grail. And then I got one and you go like, ah, what's next? I don't know. What's yeah. the next thing that I'm really looking for? I found out about this uh, line of action figures that I didn't even know existed. It's uh, the, the brand is called Poppy. It's out of Japan. Yeah. Uh, and they were called Poppy World Heroes. And it was basically their version of three and three quarter inch, you know, five point of articulation, the vintage Star Wars figures, but take that style of action figure and make it Ultraman mm. and Super Sentai and Masked Rider yeah. and all of those kinds of characters that were popular in Japan at the time which is when I was living in Japan at the time. So I just found out recently that there are vintage action figures (laughs) that existed when I lived there of characters that I loved as a kid. And then it like stopped at that point. So those are my holy grails now. And unfortunately they're like a hundred dollars a piece. Oh, damn. (laughs) Well, and for those that don't know, if you're just listening to this, he had that lightsaber ready to go. Like he pulled it up. So if you want to, if you want (laughs) to see the video of it, it's on our uh, patreon.com slash only stupid answers. So we're wrapping up. I got one. It's unfortunately kind of a bigger one, but just as a kind of a final thought sort of thing. I wanted to know, I did, I checked out your video talking about how uh, the action industry, action figure industry is still broken. Kind of going off of that, you know, for those that want, you can check that out at Toy Galaxy. Where would you like to see things go? Like now we're, we're here, we're coming in, we're in 2021. Hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, whatever, we're getting some back. We are getting back to normal for good and ill, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but where would you like to see things go with collectibles and the action figure industry? I will say that being a, a, an action figure collector right now is real, real hard because things are getting more expensive. Yeah. And, and that's, that's a response to the demand of the collector. The collector wants it to be more uh, complex. And mm-hmm. so to make it more complex, it has to be more expensive. So it's getting harder because it's getting more expensive, but it's also getting harder because things seem to be accelerating with the, the rate at which things are produced. Mm. So even if you focus on a single character yeah. and you say, I'm just going to buy Miles Morales Spider-Man stuff, yeah. there is more and more and more and more stuff coming out at such a rapid pace that you can't keep up. And so as a collector, I say that's bad because I can't keep up. And as someone who's concerned about, you know, the finite amount of oil reserves on the planet and what does the economic, what's the ecological impact of all this plastic that we're putting out there that concerns me too. So on both sides, I want to say, slow down, (laughs) you know, can we, can we back off for a second? Um, What I think is going to happen is this is a generational thing. Uh, This type of collecting of this type of stuff and these kinds of characters and physical tactile objects. um, I think it goes with our generation uh, to a certain extent. I don't know your exact age, uh, but uh, I imagine we're we're pretty close. You're you're old enough to have this show and talk about this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. 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 (laughs) So uh, my, my guess is that, you know, there aren't a lot of people left anymore who collect uh, old West stuff. Yeah. You know, there aren't a lot of people who collect uh, the real classic, you know, era of rocket, you know, space, you know, research type of that 50s and 60s, even, you know, go back to the 40s era of stuff. Um, In my in my life of going to auctions, we have seen the price of railroad collectibles Mm -hmm. go from being sky high 
to nothing (laughs) because nobody collects railroad collectibles and stuff anymore. And I I saw recently some footage of uh, a a Toys R Us uh, in like 1986 or 1987. And I was absolutely blown away by how many uh, electric race car tracks and railroad sets were on the shelves, like stacked to the ceiling of railroad sets. Yeah. I defy you to find one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. You know, go to Target today yeah. and find one that's not like Little Tykes plastic railroads. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? It's just not a thing anymore. And so I think a lot of these things uh, is are, are going to go with us. You know, yeah. is it going to be NFTs that replace it? I don't know. Your planet to burn at that point. <laughs> <laughs> it's on you. So, yeah, which goes back to uh, 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 who was STS 2084. How long? Well, if you've got something, maybe before we go, maybe try and get it off your hands. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny that what the the ending. There was a point in one of our most recent videos where we did the history of Viper, the television show Viper, kind I of nineties knockoff yeah. of uh, or or uh, homage to Knight Rider. And the guy who had the car from the show, one of the cars from the show, like kept trying to sell it. And every time he tried to sell it, he was getting lower offers for it. And it's yeah. like at some point you just got to take it and go and yeah. say, "I'm, a, I'm gonna." Yeah, <laughs> this is the. It's less than what I could have got last time, but this is the best I'm gonna get going forward. We're gonna move forward. <laughs> I did. I, I briefly because I did. Uh, uh, I I've been interested in the show Viper because it's such a weird cultural artifact uh, from a very specific time. Uh, but I I did so I did watch that uh, uh, video and I did I did at one point want to talk to you about conversion of what is a uh, con- conservation, conservation mass. <laughs> Because you brought it up and you're like, that is a pet peeve of mine. But listen, we don't, we're out of, out of time. (laughs) We're out of time. But before we go, uh, remind the kids where they can find you, what they should be checking out. Yeah, always check us out. Every Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, our new videos go up. Those are History Ofs uh, for the most part. Uh, our main channel is pretty much just History Ofs on Thursday at 5 at this point. That's uh, youtube.com slash TV, or just search for Toy Galaxy and you'll find us. Um, otherwise, we do have a second channel, Toy Galaxy 2, T-O-O. That's where we're putting all the other stuff. Anything else that we used to put on the, the other channel, you know, the algorithms have sort of uh, dictated mm-hmm. our future for us. So we put everything else over there. Uh, and that uh, hopefully that's going to start accelerating here soon with the kind of content we can put over there. Otherwise, uh, every Tuesday and Friday nights uh, going forward, we will be on Twitch streaming for the most part. Very Obviously, cool. there's going to be some exceptions there. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Toy Galaxy TV and Toy Galaxy Dan, and uh, Patreon Toy Galaxy. Oh, yeah. You can follow this show at Only Stupid Answers, every place that matters. But on Twitter, you're going to want to yank the vowels out of stupid. You can follow me at DJ Talks Trash. If you want uh, to watch stuff, episodes like this early, or you want to see the video of it, or you want to watch the OSA show that we do on Fridays live, you can do that at Patreon dot com slash only stupid answers dan thank you so much for joining me today please go check out toy galaxy i highly recommend it uh, and we'll see you all next time bye everybody